Joshua chapter number two and verse number one. And Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into the harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men in hither tonight, to, uh, tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. I'm going to stop our reading there, but leave your Bible open. We're going to look at several more verses in this chapter throughout the message. And I'm going to try to preach on this subject. It's available to all. It's available to all. Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you for your wonderful goodness to us. And now we just pray your blessing upon the message. We need your power. We've asked for it. We trust, Lord, that you would guide and direct Give us clarity of thought and speech and help us to stay on track. I don't know the needs represented in this place today, but you know each and every need. And Lord, I don't know who in here is saved and who is lost, who may need Jesus Christ as their Savior. But I pray, Lord, if there are those in here that need Christ as their personal Savior, that you would speak to them very clearly today or just make it evident in their life. Only you can do that. We can't do that. We're trusting you for that. Just help us now as we preach. We pray, please, in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing, and please do be seated. So here we are in the book of Joshua, and the Israelites are near the Jordan River. Uh, and perhaps, perhaps even they can be seen by the lookout guards from the walls of Jericho. We know that the book of Joshua, it uh, marks a change of leadership for the people of God. Moses has passed off the scene, uh, not able to go into the promised land because of his disobedience to God. And Joshua had been chosen to continue on with God's people. And the promised land had been given to them, we know that, but it was going to take some work and obedience on their part to take it. And we know this, the promised land is a type of victorious Christian living. People say we'll cross over the Jordan and the promised land's a type of heaven. Oh, no, 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 not at all, not at all. There's still battles to be won, wasn't there? And once we get to heaven, there's not going to be any more battles to be won. Hallelujah, I'm thankful, I'm thankful for that. So the promised land is a type of victorious Christian living. Now, Joshua was told that he was going to have to follow the Word of God if he was going to be prosperous in this work. You know, there's never way, there's, there's, there, there is no way whatsoever that we'll ever be victorious in our Christian life, in our Christian walk, without reading and obeying the Word of God. It's going to take the Bible for us to do that. It's simply not going to work without it. And so he took God's plan, Joshua took God's plan to God's people and encouraged them to prepare for the work ahead. And what he did is he challenged them to be ready to sacrifice because the work of God is always worth the sacrifice it takes to accomplish it. And the people said that they were ready to go. What they did is they agreed to listen to Joshua's teaching and to his preaching. And I'm telling you, you'll never go wrong with that attitude. It's, it's just a fact. The Bible also said that the people prayed for Joshua and that they had a mind to stop all the troublemakers that were amongst, amongst them. 
uh, those that would hinder the work from going forward. Now that sounds like a good plan to me also. So Joshua sends out some spies and the spies that had gone out from under Moses had reported back that the land was impregnable, that they weren't going to be able to take it. And it's really interesting to know that, that of the, the 12 spies, only two of them gave a positive report. That was Joshua and Caleb. And they told Moses that the land could be taken. And now when it's time for the spies to go out, Joshua just sends two rather than twelve. Makes good sense again. But anyway, it seems though he learned something from that first experience. And they go, and they go into the house of Rahab. Look with me at verse 4. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whether the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of the house, and hid them with the stalks of flax, which were laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan, unto the fords. And as soon as they... Uh, they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof. And she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you, and when, when ye came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon, and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our heart did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and the earth beneath. So on our journey, now get this. On our journey to the land of victory, on our journey to the... uh, to victorious Christian living. I'm talking about you and I now that know Christ as our Savior. On our journey to victorious Christian living, we're going to encounter sinners. No, no, we will. And those sinners can be of great benefit to us on our journey. Or we can just write them off as liabilities. Are y'all with me this morning? I'll say it again. Those sinners can be great benefit to us. Or we can just write them off. You know, God had planted Rahab in the path of Israel for their protection and for their deliverance. No, we're talking about Rahab the harlot. We're talking about a prostitute. God had placed her in their path. God had used a sinner, a harlot for Israel's benefits. Most independent Baptists would just pass right by Rahab's house because of who she was. If, 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 if we are passing by the bad sinners in hope of finding the good people to be church members, we're making a big mistake. That's not the way that it's supposed to be whatsoever. No, 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 no. We're to be reaching out to the worst ones. Uh, I mean, no, no. Let God make the change that only He can make in their lives. Let God do the impossible in their lives. And it may, it may just surprise you what he does with those wicked sinners if you just take some time to talk to them, to invite them to church, 
to get them under the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to share your own testimony with them. It may be a surprise to you what God can do with those people. Again, Rahab, she was a harlot. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31, the Bible says, But by faith the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. So her character did not prevent her from being used for the benefit of Israel. And besides, all of those that believed uh, not, all those that believed not, they perish. And the truth is still the same today. Those that refuse to believe, those that believe not, will perish. They'll either believe God or they're going to perish. Rahab hid the spies. We saw that in verse 4 and 5 where we read there. You know, there, there have been a lot of discussion about Rahab's lies. Well, Rahab, she lied about that. And there's been a lot of discussion about that. I mean, whether it was right for her to tell a lie. And we know this. Telling a lie is always wrong and is condemned by the Word of God. But telling lies or even participating in the harlotry act didn't condemn her. No, just because she lied and just because she was a harlot, are you live with me? That's not what condemned her. No, 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 no. She was condemned already because she was a sinner. Right, that's right. She, she was a sinner because she was born a sinner. Right. She wasn't a sinner because she was a harlot. She wasn't a sinner because she had told a lie. She was a harlot and she was a liar because she was a sinner. Right. But one of the great things that came here is that she feared the Lord. We read that in verses 9 through 11. She said that terror was brought upon the people. In verse number 9, Deuteronomy 2.25 says this, This day will I begin to put the dread of thee and the fear of thee upon the nations that are under the whole heaven, who shall hear report of thee and shall tremble and be in anguish because of thee. And it said in verse number 9, the inhabitants, the inhabitants fainted. Uh, verse number nine there, and, and that all the inhabitants of land faint because of you. They had heard the things, the, the past testimonies of God's work. Well, let's, let's, let's read it again. Verse number uh, 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did unto the two kings of the Amorites uh, that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon, and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. So they heard these past testimonies. You know, our testimony of what God has done in our own lives can be a great tool. Uh, there, there's going to be a lot of people left lost because we're just too afraid or too ashamed to share our testimony of what God has done in our lives. We know that, look, people are watching you and, and whether you live for God and allow God to work in your life is evident to them. Uh, oh, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, 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 how terrible to think that someone would not believe in God because our life as a professing Christian we profess to know Christ, but our, 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 our walk doesn't back it up. Don't just talk the talk. We have to walk the walk. What God was doing had gotten to Jericho before they had ever arrived. Well, how in the world did that happen? It happened by word of mouth. Whether travelers or traders, whoever was coming by, people that had seen and heard of God's working. The, the Lord is God in heaven and earth beneath. It says that in verse number 11. The, the, the reason Christianity is at such a slow pace today, I believe in our world, is that Christians have, have, a, have very little to show the lost world. The hearts of the Jordan people melted when they heard of the works of God. 
Sometimes I wonder what would happen here if every place of business that's represented by those of of you who are employed could see and give the same kind of testimony. That they would look at you where you work and, and they would see a difference in your life. I mean, what if our neighborhoods had such reverential fear of God because of our testimony as did the people in, in, in our text? When we, gather, when we gather together on Sunday morning or Sunday evening, people of the community would, would, would come and they would say, our hearts did melt when we saw the works of the Lord God that He has done at Riverside Baptist Church. We should have that kind of testimony. I said, well, our light should be shining that bright. We should have that kind of testimony. God has changed your life. God has made things happen that only he could make happen. When Charles Finney, an evangelist, a great evangelist of, of, of the past, would go into factories and places in the towns that he would visit, uh, he'd go and enter the building, and, and, and it's said that people would begin to fall, under the, uh, fall on the floor under conviction. Just suppose that the people of Riverside Baptist Church would walk into the Walmart or the Hy-Vee and that people would know that there's something different about them. Oh, preacher, you expect them just to fall on the floor under conviction? No, but they should see something different about us. In the way that we talk, in the way that we walk, in the way that we hold ourselves, there should be something different about us. Suppose the people of Riverside Baptist Church were so close to God and the Spirit of God was so saturated in our lives that the people where, 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 where they work fell under conviction when they were around. No, I'm telling you that, 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 that all the dirty jokes and all the inappropriate behavior just stopped when that person was around. I, I mean, hey, does it even take place with the people that you hang around here? Do they know that you're not going to tolerate filthy language or dirty suggestive jokes? Are you close enough to God that people know it? Or are you spiritually anemic? Boy, people ought to know. No, no, no. People ought to know when you walk up to a group, I won't be saying anything like that. And I know that some of the men that sit in this place have testimonies like that in their workplace. And I thank God for it. But it should be that way. It should be that way. And then we see the request of Ahab. Look at verse number 12. Now, therefore, I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all they have and deliver our lives from death. So the first thing that she requested, and I love this, the first thing she requested was the safety of her family. She talked about her father and her mother. She talked about her brothers and her sisters. She had a deep and loyal concern for her family. And my, oh my, we should have that type of concern today. I I mean, it's going to take more than just requesting prayer for them. And we have to think, do I possess that kind of concern for my own family? It's going to require personal action uh, from each of us toward that family member. And it's really something to notice. She doesn't even mention herself. Just her family. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take that same compassion here as she had for her family to see poor people trust Christ. We ought to be showing concern for them. We ought to be doing everything that we can to get them to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to be willing to carry it to our relatives, to our close friends. And if we're not willing to talk to them about it, what, what makes us think that, that, that they'll believe a stranger we, that we might send to them? 
her request, her request was for her family's safety and for all of their possessions. In verse number 13, she said, and all that they have. So Rahab, she knew that taking the city of Jericho would mean the spoils would be taken also. We know this back during this time, they didn't have banks or safes or safety deposit boxes to protect their valuables. They kept them in their houses. They kept them in their tents. And so Rahab's request was legitimate. Her request was for safety of her family and protection over all that the family had. And then we see the spies promise. Look at verse number 17. And the men said unto her, we will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head, and we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be, upon, uh, shall be on our head, if any hand be upon him." And if thou utter this our business, then we, we will be quiet of thine oath, which thou hast made us to swear. So we see the scarlet thread. Now the scarlet thread that she was to hang out of her window, of course, is a type or a picture of the blood of Christ. It's a picture of salvation. So the family, her family, who she requested protection for, was to be in her house. And safety was promised just as long as they were there in the house. The, the scarlet thread was like the blood that was upon the doorpost that they had experienced in Egypt. It was a picture of the shed blood that would, would take place at Calvary hundreds of years later. But the scarlet thread was Rahab's assurance. It was her assurance. To go outside of that protection was, uh, well, it was self-doom. If you want surety of God's salvation... Here's the path to take. Because the blood of Christ is the only way. It's the only way. And, and, and I wish everyone could understand that wonderful truth. Look, it's not by church membership. There's not any church that can save you. It's not by baptism. Water's never washed away one sin. It's not by the many prayers that you might pray, even though prayer is a good thing. Uh, it, it's not by what you would give or the good works that you would do. The only way to God is through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That blood that was shed on Calvary all those years ago. Just imagine as the people of, of Jordan stood on the walls and they watched the armies of Israel crossing the Jordan River and their hearts melted again. Rahab only had to look at that scarlet thread in her window and rest assured that she was going to be safe. The people of the city must have had some concern as they watched the people of God march around the city wondering what in the world they were going to do. And don't you know that some of them, as the people just marched around the city, I'm, I'm sure that some of them mocked and some of them made fun. Well, what are these people doing? March around the city. Uh, I thought they were going to attack us. But, but some knew the works of God and some were still trembling. No, no, they, they heard about the crossing of the Red Sea. They knew God was all-powerful. But Rahab would look out the window and she She'd say to herself as she looked at that scarlet cord, our city will never be able to stand against a God of Israel, but there's a scarlet cord in the window and I am secure. She knew she was secure. You know, all those that have put their trust in Christ are secure through his, promise, uh, through his precious blood. 
People say, oh man, you people sing about the blood and all that. You just have a slaughterhouse religion. Anybody that would say that does not understand the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ at all. That, that blood is precious. One songwriter has put it this way. His blood was not just blood of another spotless lamb, but his blood, blood was precious blood for it washed the sins of men. His blood heals my body and it sets my spirit free. And I'm so glad his precious blood still flows from Calvary. At the great white throne judgment of God, when the condemned sinners stand before the judge of the universe and they're found guilty of their sin and then cast into hell, every believer there that will be watching that will be standing on the solid rock of the scarlet thread of the blood of Christ as our security. I know that I will be there because of the blood that was shed on Calvary all those years ago. There's no questioning, there's no debate, there's no accusations toward the believers there at the great white throne judgment. We are safe because we have trusted Christ. The blood of Christ removes all sin and it provides sure safety. I'm very thankful I can stand upon that. I'm very thankful that I can stand before you this morning and say that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know, that I know that I've trusted Christ as my Savior and that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life and that when I graduate from this life that I have eternal life waiting for me in a wonderful, wonderful place called heaven. But it struck me here because, well, look at verse 21. And she said, according unto your words so be it. And she sent them away and they departed and she bound the scarlet line in the window. Um, And so she prepared. See, there's an important principle here in that verse. What's that preacher? Well, she made ready immediately. No, 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 no. She, she didn't wait until she saw the people marching around the city of Jericho. She didn't wait until she saw them coming through the fallen walls of Jericho. Uh, she didn't wait until she heard the death blows on the people of Jericho. No, no, she made ready immediately. No, no, no. She knew destruction was coming. She knew judgment was coming on the city, and she made ready immediately. You know, a lot of people say, oh, there's plenty of time, preacher. I'll take care of that matter later. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that some other time. I might do that tomorrow, but not Rahab. No, she made preparation early. I say in chapter 55 and verse number 6 says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I really do believe that hell is going to be populated with people that waited until tomorrow to get saved. Well, I've got plenty of time. You don't know that. Well, preacher, look around some of these old people. They might not have plenty of time, but I'm really young. I have plenty of time. You don't know that. Nobody knows what tomorrow holds. Nobody knows if they'll be here tomorrow. Uh, To wait is to lose out on your redemption. And to wait too long is to end up in hell. Well, what about the scarlet thread thing? I, I, wanna, I want us to understand something. The scarlet thread in the window had no power to deliver her from the judgment to come. Get this. Come on. Stay with me here. Get this. 
had no power to deliver her from the judgment to come. Then what was it all about, preacher? It was her faith in the promise that was given her. No, no, she had faith in the promise that was given. She could rest her worried mind in that promise that was given. She was at peace with the Israelite army. They they had no claim against her. They had no claim against her family because they had been given a token of security. I'm thankful that every believer has the promise of security because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When we get to that place that we're willing to put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as our only hope of salvation, then we call upon him and we put our faith and trust in him. John chapter 5 verse 24, one of my favorite verses, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. It wasn't just a cord hanging out the window. It was that she had put her faith in the promise. And we have a promise. We we had a promise. We had a promise that the Lord would come and be born of a virgin. And that happened. He lived a perfect sinless life. That happened. He went to a cruel rugged cross and shed his lifeblood. That happened. He gave up the ghost on the cross and died. That happened. He was laid in a tomb for three days and three nights. That happened. But at the end of that time, he, he rose from the dead by his own power because he was God in the flesh, is God in the flesh. No man had ever done that before. And he ascended to the Father where he now sits in his right hand. And if people will just put their faith and trust in what he did and the price that was paid, that precious blood, they can know him in in true salvation. Turn over to chapter 6. Look at a couple of verses over there. Turn over there with me. Just a couple of pages over in your Bible. Let's think about Rahab's salvation. Um, Chapter number 6, look at verse number 17. And the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are therein. Uh, To the Lord only Rahab, the harlot, shall live. She and all that uh, are with her in in the house, because she hid the messengers uh, that were sent. Skip down to verse number uh, 23. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire and all that uh, that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and iron uh, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive and her father's household and all that she had. And she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. You can't help but notice that it happened exactly the way that they promised her it would. They spared Rahab and they spared her father's household and all that she had. The city and its residents were cursed. Rahab and her family were delivered. In James chapter 2 verse 25 the Bible says this, Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. When she hid the spies and she showed the real faith that was in her heart, her faith was manifested by her works and hiding them 
and sending them away safely. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that nobody's saved by works. Scripture spells it out very, very plainly that we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But on the other hand, stay with me here. On the other hand, um, where there is genuine faith, where people really believe God, where they truly receive his testimony, their faith will be manifest by their works. Oh, what are you saying, preacher? Oh, let me just put it in a very simple plane. If you've truly trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your life will change. It will be different. It will be known by the difference that it makes in your life. I'd say it, I've said it thousands of times, I guess, but I'm so glad I'm not stuck in some dead religion. I'm glad I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and that he has changed my life completely. It wasn't anything I did. Certainly wasn't who I was as an old drug addict. No, no, no. It was just that I put my faith and trust in what Jesus did for me. And he saved my soul. He changed my life. Her work showed up. Her work showed her faith. And by her faith, she was not only saved, but ended up in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. (laughs) Mercy, why'd they go to that harlot's house? Well, God directed them. Well, what's some harlot going to do for them? Um, Save their lives. Well, I guess God just used her and then tossed her aside, huh? Oh, no, no. She was in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. A harlot. A a prostitute. Oh, come on, come on. Only God could do something like that. What what are you trying to say, preacher? I'm saying God will save anybody. I'm saying God can change anybody. I'm saying, no, no, no. I'm saying that it's available to everybody. Salvation is available to everybody and anybody if they're just willing to come and do it his way. And do it his way. When the armies of Israel began to cross the Jordan and the people of Jericho were on the wall watching them come across there, many, many could not be sure of their fate. What is going to happen now? No doubt they were worried. But Rahab could say, there's a scarlet cord in my window. And so I'm secure. And all those that put their trust in Christ are secure through his precious blood. Another songwriter wrote it like this. Under thy wings, my God, I rest. Under thy shadow safely lie. By thine own strength is peace possessed while dread evils pass me by. (laughs) Oh boy. I think a lot about where I would be if I did not know Christ as my Savior. And I'm thankful I didn't have to go down that road. Very thankful. This morning, can you say with assurance that... Can you say with the assurance that Rahab had that you placed your trust in the blood of Christ to save you from your sin? Can you remember back a time that you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Are you ready to meet God? Because all of us, one of these days, are going to see Him face to face. And we've got to have an answer then. No, we have to have an answer then. Why should I let you into my heaven? I did some good stuff. Why should I let you into my heaven? I belong to this church. Why should I let you into heaven? I was baptized as a baby. Why should I let you into heaven? I was baptized a couple of different times. I'm telling you, none of those things will get you through the gate. No, 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 no. You must be born again. And God made it available to everyone. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. They all come to that place of putting their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then us that that do know Christ, are we doing everything we can to make sure that others have that assurance? Because it is available to all. Boy, preacher, there's this guy at work, and I mean, he's just terrible, terrible. I mean, he is a mess. I'm telling you, I don't don't see how God could ever do anything with him. Well, God can do because he's God. But he's not going to have a chance if somebody doesn't tell him. If somebody doesn't show him. If somebody doesn't invite him to come. It's available to all. I'm thankful for that. And then if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, are you doing your best to live the victorious life that God's given you? Because it's available too. If we just do things His way. It might be that you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're trusting in a prayer or a baptism or church attendance or just your good works. I'm telling you, we would love to show you the way how you can truly trust Christ as your Savior. We'd love to do that for you. We're going to have a time of invitation here just momentarily. and We'd love for you to come and we can take a Bible and show you how to get that all settled even today if you would. Would you bow your heads with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm thankful for the example of Rahab the harlot. I'm thankful to know that God can save and will save anybody that's willing to come to him. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you'd have to say this morning, preacher, I'm just not sure if I died that I would go to heaven. I'm not sure that I have that all settled in my life. Preacher, would you please just remember me in prayer? Well, I'd like to do that. You're here like that this morning. Would you just slip your hand up wherever you're at and allow me to pray for you? Preacher, I'm not sure if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Would you let me pray for you? Just lift your hand up. No, no, I'm not going to call on you. not going to point you out. not going to come to you. I'd just like to pray for you. Anybody here like that? Would you let me pray for you? God bless your heart. Appreciate that. Others? Preacher, yeah, me too, preacher. Would you pray for me? Well, I'd like to do that. Anybody else like to do that? I'd like to pray for you. Yeah. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, Preacher, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. Deal, dealt with me. That I need to be more uh, active in letting people know about Jesus Christ. I, I, need, I need to do that preaching. I know I do. Will you please pray for me? Boy, I'd like to pray for you like that. You're here this morning. God bless your hearts. I see your hand. And there, and there, and there, and there. Across the auditorium. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for that. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful. We're thankful.
that you have made a way that people can know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And I pray for those in here that don't know. They don't have it settled. I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, that you would help them to even come this morning and let us take, us take them aside and take a Bible and show them how they can get that settled. And Lord, if they, if they leave this place, that you would continue to deal with them, that we'd have an opportunity somewhere to share with them how they can know and trust Christ as their Savior. Lord, do the work that only you can do. And then I pray for the believers that are in here. Lord, we need a more active witness. We need to be showing compassion to people. We need to be reaching out to the worst of the worst because your gift is available to all. And so I pray, God, that you'd help us to be more active in our witness. Lord, as we open up this altar, we pray people would come and speak to you about these things, and we'll trust you for it. For we ask it all in Jesus' name.